Energy Captain Season 3. Cam Lynch here and the illustrious and the fabulous Whitney Holtzman. Hello, Whitney. Hey, Cam. I am so happy to be back. Obviously, you and I are still being careful and social distancing, and we had quite a pause with everything that has been going on in our country, but I'm so glad that we're back together because I feel like that we always have interesting conversations based on what's happening in the world, and I know other people enjoy listening, and it's also therapeutic for us to discuss these items, and I think there's no more important time for us to hop on and, and kick off a new season. Yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, we are digital right now uh, through Zoom, so we're gonna record and we're gonna definitely just share what's on our heart at the moment. I mean, there's a lot, it's heavy. Uh, I got my all black on the bet on women. I gotta bet on something right now because uh, leadership and what's, uh, what's going on. The country feels like it's on fire. I mean, it feels like war, World War COVID. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot going on, Wendy. Well, what's going on in your world? Well, I mean, I think uh, just trying to ride the wave of everything that's been happening in our world. And I think during this time, I personally have just learned to focus on the small things and to appreciate everything that I do have. And maybe every day that's waking up and just being appreciative. We're in Tampa and we can see the water and you can find ways to exercise and spend time with loved ones because this is a time when a lot is taken away. Uh, so I think my lesson has been to focus on what really matters and makes the heart happy. And what about that do you want to take into the new sense of, of normalcy? But I think I was really glad that we were hopping back on and I, I would get a chance to talk to you because I'm interested to hear with everything that's been happening, what have you felt the strongest about? What I felt the strongest about really just the social injustice. I mean, just me riding my bike down the sidewalk and people crossing like past traffic through traffic i mean it's it's a lot of it hurts right a lot of pain and so for me uh this these past two weeks for me have been a lot of self-reflection kind of how can i pour into myself so i can get ready to pour into others um covid 19 is going so people are inside but people are also moving around um I, my, myself i had to go visit Baby six. I mean, she's graduating, and that was really big for me. Uh, she took the knee during her graduation, uh, magna cum laude, and so uh, I was really proud of her, you know. And was she really the was... only one? So no, a lot of her, a lot of her classmates. I mean, they got down on knees, and I was at first I was surprised. I was like, we talked about it in the house, and I was like, okay, like, if you do it, I'll do it. I told her that, and when she started doing it, I was like, whoa, let me <laughs> let me get down on mine and. It was relieving for me because while we were playing football, uh, we were intimidated, right? We were forced by, not forced, but really threatened. Our jobs were threatened. Our, our, our community, right? I live in Tampa Bay, uh, taking a flag, taking a knee. They thought it tied to the flag, and it doesn't. It tied to us fighting for what's right, and there's something wrong with what's going on in America, right? And Drew Brees talked about that. Don't let this flag, you know. Uh, muffle us or blind us, right? Or, or deafen our ears, right? Take that flag off because there's something that's going on behind uh, this American flag. So, uh, you know, during those times, I couldn't take a knee. I, I didn't. I honestly, I couldn't. I didn't take a knee. And I was afraid to, right? Afraid to lose my job. Uh, I talked to somebody recently and they were like, one thing uh, teams look for, productivity. Uh, you produce P equals T, and the T means tolerance. If you produce, they'll tolerate you. If you don't pr produce, they won't tolerate you. So we were threatened by, by President number 45, um, and our coach sat us down and said, hey, you can take a knee, 
or you're not taking it. But just know there's going to be consequences on both sides, so choose wisely. And we were sitting with the owners, uh, and it was just tough. It was very tough. So seeing her, my little sister, take that knee was amazing. Uh, her name is Madison, and she's going to Colorado. Extremely proud. Obviously, you ha did so much when you were playing football and helped so many people and always were on the right side of history, for sure. Yeah. Do you in some ways feel like that you admire and look up to your younger sister who just graduated high school because she was able to have the bravery that maybe at that moment when you were in your NFL prime that, that you weren't able to have? Most definitely. Uh, the courage. I mean, just like bet on women. I mean, she has it. It's going to be a younger generation that, that's not afraid. They don't have anything to lose. She's like, look, I'm going to Colorado. I already signed my letter. I, I graduated number 46 in my class, and I should have been higher, right, while playing soccer, you know? So she's like, I'm going to take a knee. I, I don't care. And uh, that's sometimes that's what we need. We need that push. And then, so for me, I did it. And ever since then, my buddies are like, hey, Ken, we're going to speak out. We're going to say something. And I, I just really been working on myself. But – uh, that moment allowed for me to really come out my come out of my shell and, and hit the ground running. So all this week, I mean, I've been with panels and I've been recording, so I'm ready to roll. Do you feel like that if you had taken a knee that you would have lost your job? And I think a lot of people wonder if Cap didn't have another opportunity to play in the NFL because he did kneel. I thought I would lose my life, Whitney. I mean, Mike Evans, they were getting death threats, right? And I know wow. you work for Rise. When you talk, speak about silent racism, you started that. He had that on his shoe, and he was getting death threats. His wife started getting, I mean, the community was upset. And um, I, I live next to McDill. I have friends that were doing a celebration for one of my friends today that that's leaving. He works at McDill. And, I mean, I live very close. And you see a lot of Trump flags up here. You see a lot of different flags. And for me, it's tough because it's like, I mean, if I, if I stand up for myself, something's going to happen. I'm walking down the street, something's going to happen. So uh, that's really tough as, as a black male. It's really tough to uh, not feel comfortable in your own home and in your own area. Um, so for, for me right now, I think you know, Troy Benson said it best. He said, America needs a locker room. We need our brothers and our sisters in to just grab us around and say, hey, we got you. We got your back, right? And uh, I compare it to foster children, right? Brown folks are looking looked at upon as foster children. It's the child that, you know, that came in from this place or that place and is now a part of the family. And, you know, we're getting attacked. The foster, your brothers and sisters, the ones that you brought in your home are getting attacked. So now we're, we're asking for help. We're screaming for help. And it's getting exhausting, Whitney. Uh, I'm the Energy Captain. This is the Energy Captain's podcast with Cam and Whitney Holtzman. But, uh, I mean, asking for help and, um, you know, the only, way we, the only way we got recognition is when Colin Kaepernick did it. And then the uh, commissioner of the NFL, he apologized because he was like, wow, I was wrong the whole time. He took a knee because people are getting killed. I wasn't paying attention. Now I'm paying attention. So, uh, you know, I think we're a part of one of the biggest uh, civil rights movements I think uh, the world has seen. I mean, I'm seeing Japan. I'm seeing Korea jump in and have signs. I'm seeing monks. I'm seeing the Amish. I mean, I'm seeing people from all types of walks coming in and speaking against what isn't right in this country. So it's, it's awesome to see this part, awesome being a part of. Yeah, it's interesting because obviously this moment has nothing to do with me, but at the same time, my heart has been hurting because 
I have always felt like I've been such an ally and sure I'm not perfect and there's more questions I could ask and more I can learn but for a whole year I worked for a racial equality organization and dedicated that part of my life and my career to it and during some of the protests there were people yelling at me because I was a white person and saying things about my car and I just was in sort of such pain because I wanted to say, I am with you, I am on your side, I'm an ally, I'm a champion, just the way that you are for me uh, in, in women's rights issues and other things that may come up, I feel that way about you. And I think it's hard because I feel like this situation has maybe painted a picture that all white people are all white police don't understand. And I, I just wanted to say so strongly that I feel like that there are those of us that really care, that want to make it better, that our hearts are with you. And I, I just want people to know that it's, there's not that divide because the last thing we need in our country is more division. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I'm sure it is tough, Whitney. Um, but for, for you, which I think what you can do best, right, especially during COVID, right, stay safe, stay healthy, <laughs> you know, and you've been doing that. But I, I do think, too, is just making sure that your voice is heard, right, you have a big platform. Uh, you you know people, <laughs> you know what I mean? If I bring your name up, they're like, oh, I know her, right? <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm in different places with the NFL or at the NBA, the office in, in New York City. I mean, and your name comes up, people know. So really it's just using your platform and I know you just wrote a book, right? But speaking out against what is wrong. And I think when you do that, when you, when you get exposure, uh, when we expose what's wrong, I think that's how protests move forward. That's how we change law. That's how we get things done. So my question to you, I know your family, you're a family of lawyers, right? Everybody but you. Uh, and how, how long on average does it take someone to become a lawyer? I'm gonna ask you that question first. Yeah, and then I, I will answer it, and I want to circle back to something you said also about having a platform, uh, but my mom is a perfect example. I'll use her. She uh, actually was an English teacher after college, and she decided to go back to law school when she was 29 years old, so a lot of people may say, hey, that's too late, but she went to three years of law school, and then you study for the bar, and she's built a, a pretty epic career. She's, she's a total boss, and she's had a career that spanned many, many years, um, but you know, it takes a good, you have to take the LSAT, then you have to go to law school, have internships in between. So it seems like, you know, at least a minimum four or five years before you can really start your career. Wow, okay, so four to five years. Boss, I mean, your mom, she fights for a lot of rights when it comes to women's rights and the workplace. Um, your dad's a corporate lawyer, your brother's a corporate lawyer. Uh, I started my, my company through your, your dad's company, I mean, we can keep going. Your brother went to Harvard. So um, when it comes to lawyers and upholding the law, it takes some time to get there, right? To study and to maintain what they know. Um, somebody brought this up to me, but police officers in Atlanta, it takes them six months to become a cop. <laughs> six months and you're enforcing the law with humans? You know what I mean? With a gun? I yeah. mean, well, that... I, Right. Well, <laughs> obviously... And, and that's one thing I felt during this whole situation is that, in my opinion, we'd be better off if we focused on solutions and everyone can look around right now and say that there's a problem. I mean, when we were at RISE, we had a tailgate before every Dolphins game with law enforcement in the communities they serve. So they got to bond over a barbecue. And when they ran into each other in the neighborhood, they had already formed a relationship. And we had town halls with 
the chief of police in that city and all the athletes so they could understand what the other side was like. And we had a racial equality curriculum that we taught in schools and all of it was solution-based and I saw progress because of that. And previously you mentioned having a platform. So what do you think, what is most helpful for someone in my position to do with any sort of platform? What can we say or what can we do to, so that you feel the most supported? And what do you think of everything that's going on? Obviously, I think we agree probably the protests are necessary, but what do you wish would happen the most? But I would say some laws be changed, right? And I know the NFL is doing some stuff, the Players Coalition, uh, making some moves in that regard, getting some things changed. But also, too, when it comes to donations to, uh, you know, underserved communities, right? Um, and, and I know your book, too, and, you know, while we do your book tour and stuff like that, I have some things for you, but I know with, um, Brandon Marshall, you all, um, you know, went to communities, basically uh, in regards to mental health, um, privileged communities um, struggled with mental health, right? Because they don't, you know, meet the, meet the uh, requirements, right? That the parents expect of them. Um, but what about um, the mental health in you know, under, underserved communities, right? Um, those resources, what about getting a therapist in an underserved community when you can't pay the bills, right? How come those aren't accessible, right? But definitely figuring out how to pour into those communities and get resources, right? Put that honey out there so the bees can come. And when I say the bees, make it be brown bees, right? Bees that um, have color to them so that they we can, um, yeah, just eat from the nectar. I mean, that's the goal, right? And figure out how to place those resources in the places that need them. And everything you just mentioned is so wise and would go such a long way in healing communities. What do you think about all of the violence that's happening and why do you think so many people instantly turn to violence when those few words you just said were so un unbelievably powerful and could absolutely change a whole community? Yeah, I would say the violence is, uh, people are angry with <laughs> People are angry and been angry for a long, long time. So um, I think, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's leadership, right? You got to have somebody that you have a parent in the house, your kids are acting up, make sure that you're being a great parent to them. Just because you're a parent doesn't mean you're a great parent or a great mom or a great dad. You need a great mom, you need a great dad or a great grandma, whoever is watching over the kids, whoever's responsible for the kids. Make sure that you're treating the, the kids with compassion, with love, with tenderness. I mean, just the simple things. With, uh, just a simple thing, and when you don't do that, right? When you don't treat, have you seen? Have you seen the, the show Little Fires Everywhere? I mean, that show is perfect for what's going on. I mean, there's little fires here, or there. I mean, for 401 years, I mean, fires coming in, in and out. And so, uh, when there's little fires, and they 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 connect, right? Through exposure, through social media, little fires, see little fires in Europe. Uh, in South Korea, and people connect, and the whole thing lights up. And so that's kind of what's going on is you're seeing the the, the land uh, burning uh, to ash, and then hopefully some great things will, will rise from it, and uh, hopefully soon, because I'm tired, Whitney. I'm sure you're tired. We're all tired. So uh, it's, time, it's time for some change, some great change, I think. Yeah, and, you know, when you mentioned how short of a time frame it takes for someone to become a police officer, I know our mayor here in Tampa, Jane Castor, used to be the chief of police before she became the mayor, and one thing that she always did was take the police class to the Holocaust Museum here in St. Pete so they could see what happens when you abuse your power, and I think sensitivity training in police departments would be huge, and I, I also 
have read all about the record of, of the police officer who killed George Floyd, and he had a number of counts against him, and I understand unions are in place, but there has to be some way that if you have strikes on your record and you hit a certain number that maybe you can't fire the person because of the unions, but you find some way to get them off the streets, you give them an administrative job, that person should not be interacting with people, and I don't know how we don't have a three strikes you're out or something along those lines type of policy. I mean, come, I mean, think about it. You think about people who enforce the law, right? When it comes to uh, the police and they say, hey, we're just like athletes, we train. No, you don't. You don't watch as much film as we do, right? The body cams on the cops. Think about it. I asked the police officer out here in Tampa, I said, the sheriff, I said, hey, um, what's y'all's uh, film, your film study? Like, how many hours y'all put in? He's like, ah, at the end of every five weeks. I mean, no, if you're out here with guns, with people, you need to be watching that stuff every day, like we do, like athletes do, right? We watch it every day because we know if we mess up, we're getting cut. If we hit somebody helmet to helmet, you shoot somebody, you're getting a fine you're, or, or you're, you're getting out. I mean, it's one of the two. Like I said, there's productivity and tolerance. If you're not productive, you can't, you can't tolerate it. I mean, come on. That's what we go through as athletes. Why can't everyone else be held accountable? So, I mean, like you said, uh, three strikes, you're out of something. Um, exactly. So, and yeah, I think players really should work on that. Yeah, no, that's that's really great to hear. And I think there are a lot of comparisons between brotherhood in the police department and brotherhood in the NFL. And I think one thing I don't want to do is generalize because I don't think it's fair to say all police officers are bad. You had some teammates I'm sure you liked and ones you did, but not everyone is bad. And there are a lot of police officers doing amazing work and I don't want to hurt them or their feelings or not support the, the positive work that they've been doing. But I do think that similar to the NFL, there is this brotherhood and this fraternity of maybe backing your brothers and not speak and brothers and sisters, but maybe not speaking up if you see something that's wrong. And I, I would just be interested to hear if on an NFL team, you saw a teammate who was doing something that wasn't right. What is the right way to go about speaking up where maybe you don't go against your teammate, which wouldn't feel right, but you're also standing up for what you think is right in the world. I think it's just integrity at the end of the day, right? Character and integrity. And like you said too, for the women as well, there's women, female coaches, there's women that play ball. So uh, it's just integrity, right? If you're doing something wrong, um, either you remove yourself from the situation, if it's a situation that you can, and if not, say something, right? When it comes to, College athletes, you look at, right, you know, the stigma or the stereotype, oh, they're players, uh, they don't go to class, X, Y, and Z. I don't know, I was an engineer major. You know what I mean? I, we can go down the list of the stereotypes that we can break. But, I mean, if you see something going wrong uh, in college and your teammates are doing it, hey, that ain't it. That's not how we roll. I want to stay championship in high school with me. I mean, our, it was nothing but excellence. We were all in AP classes. I mean, it that was the standard. Being a nerd was cool, right? It's the standard that you uphold. And once you drop below that, uh, you got to go. Unless, you you know, this is the winning team. We, and when it comes to being on the street and upholding the law, ain't no such thing as winning and losing. Whitney. That's either saving lives or you're losing lives, right? I mean, it's a little bit different than sports or anything else. So you got to take it a little bit more serious. Um, so I, I hope we can get to that point where it's taken more serious, where the training is elite. I mean, give those guys a year and some change to learn how to be a cop, learn the culture. I was speaking with Mike Delancey. Um, he, was in a, he was in the military. He got um, sent to Afghanistan, right, on a mission. And he said when he had nine months of training in the U.S. He had about 
once he hit uh, Afghanistan soil, I mean, you're on, right? But he said it took about three months to really acclimate. They did culture classes, right? Every week, the language, uh, what they're saying, what they're eating. They got acclimated, Whitney. I don't think people, the cops and the police, some of some of them, and I have friends in, that are cops. I mean, I don't think they're getting acclimated, Whitney. They haven't had that locker room vibe. So, um, you know, if you're out there, you're not ready, don't put them out there. I mean, the guy, George Floyd, one of the guys was four days in. I mean, that's like starting an NFL game, Whitney, and you're four days in. Come on. That's, right. You can't, you can't win. You can't win. You can't win. Get out. <laughs> hey, right. next guy, come on, get out, get out, get out. No, 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 get out. Well, get one, out. Of, one oh. of the most important things that I learned in the town halls we did at RISE was it's really essential to listen to the other side and have empathy and understand what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes because police officers have families and they put their lives in jeopardy every day and it's probably really scary for them. And I think we in general need to understand that, but at the same time, the rest of the world needs to understand what it's like growing up as a black man in America. I don't think those stories are told. So I think it would be helpful if you kind of shared from the very beginning what your experience is like and how you felt positive and negative as a black man in America and why a lot of these feelings are coming out now. Well, it's tough. Like I said, I mean, I, I walk, ride my bike, and the people are running. They're scattered. I mean, you know what I mean? So, like, you're scary, but I, I think I got a great smile. I think I'm a great guy. Why are you running? So that that's what confuses me a lot of the time. So uh, just being someone who is black is uh, is not viewed as beautiful, uh, and I think I'm beautiful. I mean, God made me. Uh, you are mom, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. My mom thinks so. I think so. I mean, hey, uh, and, and you said you said this in your book, right? Uh, as long as um, there's there's health. There's wealth and somebody to love, right? Um, someone to love, uh, something to look forward to do, and something. Um, and you said there's another way to explain it, but um, something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to. You need all those something. three things in life at one time to be happy. Yeah, I mean, just to be happy. And a lot of times, when you walk down the street, you look forward. I look forward to going on my bike rides, but people are crossing the street and running past. You know what I mean? To so the exchange won't be that long. Uh, it's it's frustrating. It hurts sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, people being more sensitive, be kind, right? Be cool. Uh, take it easy. We're not, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not a threat. Uh, so those things, that's my message really, you know, regards to everything is just uh, be kind, be loving. Do you find it frustrating that people celebrate black men in America one way when they're in an NFL uniform and playing on the field and then oftentimes differently when they're just out living their lives as normal in the world? Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, when they say the, uh, the percentage of bl black men in jails, uh, it's, it's alarming, right? Uh, the money that goes into the jails, um, it's alarming, but if you're playing on a field, I mean, Hey, bravo. But other than that, if you're not there, go over there. <laughs> like what? It doesn't make any sense. So, um, you know, we have to be treated treated right. Just like they said, more than an athlete, um, it, you more than just uh, uh, you know. People look at black people and get so threatened. Um, it shouldn't be that way. So you know, that's you know, that's how I feel about the situation. Sure. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Very frustrating. Very yeah. frustrating. And I I want to just touch on the Drew Brees situation for a minute because 
there's no doubt that he made a mistake and he made the moment about him instead of talking about what he should have talked about. And he wanted to support his teammates and he, he's a loving guy whose heart was in the right place. And sometimes I feel bad for people who get jumped on when they're trying to say the right thing. Of course, there's room to educate people and for them to do better. But there is a difference between someone who is a good person and wants to be an ally and someone who's fighting against the cause. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's tough. That's tough for Drew because I looked at him the same way. I was like, no, like not Drew. But, um, you know, it's just one of those things where it's a big play. You know what I mean? It's fourth down and it's three seconds left. Who are you going to put in the game? Now we look at you. Look at, you going to put Tom in or you going to put Drew in? I mean, Drew was very efficient. He's t- probably number two behind, you know, Brady or Aaron. I mean, you look at it. But it, he dropped the ball. He, he dropped the ball on the goal line. I mean, you got to score. I mean, he dropped the ball when it came to off the field, right? He was he was perfect on – almost perfect on the field. And off the field, he dropped the ball. And, you know, with Tom Brady, you look at Tom, he's coming to Tampa, right? Uh, he's had a great career so far. Um, but, you know, in social situations, I'm not sure if he's perfect, but he's not dropping the ball like Drew did, right? LeBron's not dropping the ball. He picked, I mean, and LeBron's, you know, he's a, he's a black man, right? Let's not get that wrong. But, um, you know, nobody's perfect. Drew's not perfect. Nobody's LeBron's not perfect. But if you look at these superstars when it comes to social situations, you got to make sure that you, you, you're careful, you're thinking, slow down, right? I've been working on that all these past few weeks, slowing down, being prepared for the moment. And that moment, he was not prepared. And he backtracked. He did a great job coming back. Him and his wife did. I mean, you know, bravo. But, I mean, it's fourth down, fourth down with me. And in three seconds left, right now, we're putting Tom over, over Drew Briggs. <laughs> I mean, that's just me. Right that now. makes sense. Yeah, that was, a good, that was a really good way to explain it. And when I worked at Rise, I used to say, I think that there are a lot of well-intentioned people that just don't know how to talk about race. We're never taught about it in school. Our parents don't know how to teach us about it. So how is someone who really wants to be an ally and support what's going on now, how are they supposed to know the right thing to say? Well, think about this, Whitney. Um, you know, when it comes to your religion, right? Uh, you know, I think asking questions, right? Uh, being aware of the holidays. I make sure that some of the holidays pop up. I see your car. But being aware, being thoughtful, just listening, right? This, like, I know your birthday's coming up because I'm just, I, I'm listening. You're looking, you're feeling. But when you're going too fast, there's a song called Slow Down Turbo. You're going too fast. You're not lit. You're going too fast, Drew. He was going too fast. Um, and he, he, he didn't slow down and figure out this moment. Right, that right moment. And when it comes to a uh, different religion, my buddy's mother, you know, he's of the Muslim faith. He's, he's of the Muslim faith. He's a Muslim man. And uh, Amadou, he went to Syracuse. And I, I'm like, Amadou, it's Ramadan. What what are you going through? It's like, are you fasting? What time? Okay, cool. I want to do the same thing. Let me practice. Uh, I want to fast. I want to learn my skit. You know, I want to work on my craft too. Um, and, and you dive in with people, you immerse yourself. But if you don't, if you stay on the edge of the pool, like, uh, that's Ramadan, whatever, I don't care what that is. Um, you're, you're insensitive, you're desensitizing yourself to something that's very important for somebody else. So uh, when you talk about, talk about race, you talk about religion and politics, be careful. 
just listen and slow down in regards to those three things. Right. I think listening until you're confident enough to make your statement is definitely the way to go. You, so you do it from a place of strength. Do you feel comfortable and is it okay for people to come and ask you questions about what's going on? I think a lot of times people are afraid they're going to be offensive if they ask a question. But I think what you're saying is it's okay. I am approachable. A lot of people who are speaking out on this issue are approachable and they're happy to explain and they realize not everyone knows the answers, but just come and ask us the questions and we're happy to have a discussion about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like different religions. If you want to know about Christianity, sure. Uh, this is my devotional. This is what I look at, you know, on Sundays or every morning, right? Every morning when I wake up, I'm doing my devotional practice. If you want to jump in, come on and do it. But until you jump in that water, you're not going to know, right? It's yeah. like cooking. I know right. for cooking, for you, like, ah, and for me, I'm like, ah, but today I have my first photo shoot, right, with my teammates. I, I, it's like, it's called eating the frog, right? When there's something that you're like, I don't know what would be offensive, but I'm going to be good at it. You got to eat the frog and you got to, you got to dive into it, right? Dive into it. And so I took pictures for the first time today. So um, you got to just do it and you got to um, be humble. You got to really lower your expectations and, and be willing to learn. And you, you talked about riding the bike and people scatter. And I think that's a very powerful moment that a lot of people who are white or other races may not have experienced. Are there any other moments in your life you remember that maybe speak to the pain of what black America is feeling right now and why these protests are happening just in your own life? Some examples of, of what other people and yourself might have gone through? Um, I would say, yeah, it's just even when you walk in restaurants with me, I mean, I walk, I walk in a restaurant and people just, you know, or even walking around with someone different than my race, right? I, you feel like a heat, you know what I mean? Like people looking at you, you know, when you walk to like a mall like back in the day, um, you know, when I was dating in college, I would date women of, you know, that look different. I, I love, you know, I like women. And uh, so I would, you know, walk with a woman that, that wasn't, that wasn't the brown skinned woman. And I would walk into a mall and people would be looking at me like, you know. And so, you know, it's just tough, man. It's just more pressure than you should be feeling, right? And so um, just little things with, I mean, going to the mall with somebody who, who looks different than your, your, your skin tone, right? Or even walking into, during COVID-19, we got our mask on. I mean, you got people of the European descent in one place and I'm walking in and they're talking, chitter and chattering. Uh, there's a lady who's about 70. She's not supposed to be out. I mean, she's in there. And, and you know, you have somebody else that walks in that's not brown, cool. But somebody that I walk in after that person and people scatter. I mean, and it's and like you say, hello, how you doing? And they don't say anything, oh, because it's COVID, but you were just talking 10 seconds earlier. You know, so uh, I tell them stay healthy. Uh, may peace be the journey and keep it pushing, you know, but it's, for me, it's very confusing sometimes. It's uh, it's wild. So you want to, you know, just like picking a school, picking a relationship, pick, you want to go places where you're wanted and you feel comfortable. And a lot of times it's uncomfortable. And, you know, playing professional sports, I've been uncomfortable uh, a lot, right? You got to be comfortable being, and it's fun, you know, I like the challenge, but it's I'm getting tired with it. Uh, you know, I walk around my own, I feel like a, a terrorist, you know what I mean? Only way I don't feel like a terrorist is if I have an American flag on my face, you know, and that's like a peace sign, like, hey, I'm on your team, but we shouldn't have to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something we got to figure out, and, you know, uh, it's going to be a process. <laughs> right, and I think one other pro productive measure that I wanted to mention is that 
a lot of people talk about the presidential race and obviously the leader of our country who we choose is very important, but a lot of these police chiefs and mayors and people affecting different communities are voted upon in local elections. And I think we need to make more of a push to pay attention to who, who we're electing in our, our local elections and those uh, midterm elections as well. And, and those people matter just as much. And I think that we have um, so much anger kind of happening that um, we just want to, I think you and I are positive people and we want to channel it into as many positive directions as possible. And obviously you mentioned some great um, aspects, but I think voting in the local elections is, is really important too. And more than anything during this time, I've just felt so sick and sad for the people I love so much like you who are, are going through what we're going through. And I hope it means a brighter future and all the opportunities and kindness in the world for you. And I just hope that as your partner and your friend that you feel how much I'm always going to be an ally and support you and have your back during whatever's going on, especially this situation, because I think we're all so much stronger when we come together in situations like this. Mm -hmm. No, yeah, I feel the love. Uh, you know, the reason, uh, the moment I knew you had my back uh, was when we were doing the LLC uh, and we, you know, we were going back and forth with, uh, with, uh, you know, the, our lawyer, and uh, it was cool. I mean, you stood on the table for me, and that's when I knew you had my back. So, you know, much love uh, for me to you. I, I rock this shirt because of you. I mean, I love this shirt. You know what Thank I mean? you. That means a lot. I think, it's, I think it's important, right? Uh, men have to stand up for women in the situation now that we that we talk to we're moving the face about, uh, you know, you know, people who aren't brown got to stand up for people who are brown just in the same way. So, you know, I do look forward. Um, to continuing this battle. I mean, it's been a battle. I mean, in business, uh, in brownness, and, uh, you know, it's a different things. I mean, we've been battling, so I really appreciate you. Yeah, I, right back at you, and I feel like the rest of 2020 can only go up from here. So I think we have lots lots to look forward to, and, uh, you know, I will always be your champion and support you, and, and I'm glad we have each other, especially in times like this. And I think champions just in general for people are, are so important, especially ones who are different from you. And I encourage people to find the Cam and Whitney dynamic in your own life because it makes the world a much better place. So I'm really – I've been waiting to have this conversation and, and hear your thoughts and, and have you be able to speak on this issue especially on our podcast and so I'm glad we finally had this opportunity most definitely it felt great to finally get it all out but you could only hurt so much you know what I, mean? I was like I had it hey can we you know can we finish this no but yeah it, it was great uh you know it was great a lot of emotion um you know when it comes to this topic and you only do it so much I mean you know so we're beating a dead horse here but at the end of the day we got to get some stuff changed. So I think I think it will happen uh, in regards to you know, uh, fair treatment when it comes to women, when it comes to brown folks. I mean, we got a lot of things to tackle. And I look forward to doing exactly. You you and I are are have made our life mission to make the world a better place, and no matter what, we're going to continue to do that and do our small part for sure. So I I'm, I look forward to having more episodes in the future where we talk about all the progress that's been made and all the great things happening in your life. Most definitely. Well, this is the season three energy captive. We are digital. Uh, we are social dis socially distant. And uh, Whitney, I appreciate you. Much love. Yeah, right back at you, Cam. Sending all the virtual hugs I have. Mm -hmm.